Welcome. You're listening to the Heritage Podcast. To learn more about Heritage, including meeting times and upcoming events, visit us online at www.heritageff.org. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Once again, I'm excited to, to be here tonight and be teaching tonight. Let's go ahead and pray and let's get started. Father, we just come before you. We just thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And I just thank you for each and every person who is tuning in tonight. I thank you for their life. I declare that they're healthy and whole from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, Lord. And I just thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're online with us, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube, I encourage you to go ahead and like, share, and subscribe to all that good stuff. And put a comment down on the bottom and say, hey, I'm here. I'm with you tonight. Let us know who you are. And I go ahead and share this lets people know that something great is going on here at Heritage. Um, as I was getting ready today, I literally just came home from my, um, I literally just came home from uh, my son's football practice and I was there with him and I was thinking about when I was in high school and how uh, I was in football freshman year and we had the biggest team. There was like a hundred guys and I remember this this thing as my son was going through drills uh, for football before practice. I was remembering how we had this thing called Hell Week and if you've ever played football, if you, if you know what I'm talking about, then you know how ridiculously crazy it is. It's called Hell Week for a reason. It's during summer and I don't know why but they wanted you to do sprints and runs when it's a hundred and something over you know, a, over a, you know, 105 degrees outside and they want you to run just for the fun of it you know, they wanted you to run until you were throwing up whether you were are you coughing or you passed out it was ridiculous and I think I still hate running because of that uh, my son is complete opposite he loves to run no matter what's going on if he gets a chance to run he wants to run around he wants to race people I'm at the age now where I don't even try to race him because he's so much faster than I am but I was thinking about you know this 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 hell week and how much I just don't like running you know, there's people that, you know, they enjoy running. We had guys on our team that just loved it. I have a friend named Tim. You know, he was over the house hanging out with Alina and I, and he was talking about running and just how much he enjoys running. And Alina and I must have looked like we had no idea what he was talking about because we're looking at each other like this is not real. Like nobody loves running. But Tim... He loves running. Now, Tim, you have to understand, Tim is a, a, he's super fit. He's got abs on abs. He's a personal trainer. If you're ever looking for a personal trainer, hit my boy up, Tim. Shout out to Tim. He's amazing. But he was talking about this runner's high that he gets. He's like, after like the fifth mile, after the sixth or seventh mile, I just get this, this runner's high and I just feel so good. And I'm just like, I have no idea what you're talking about because I hate running. <laughs> it's the worst. I think the only thing worse than running outside is running on a treadmill inside. Like that's just ridiculous because then you're just not going anywhere. You're just running with no benefit from it. You're not getting anything from it. You're just running in a room. That's amazing, but, but whatever. But he was talking about how just he much he loved running, and I just could not relate. I just don't like it. And as I was thinking about Hell Week in high school, and then I began to think about other things in my life, how you know, he had this thing called popcorn reading. And uh, I remember in high school, you know, I was uh, diagnosed dyslexic and I just had so much trouble reading. And I was talking to my wife about it today and she was like crying because she felt so bad for me because <laughs> I struggled so much in, in high school and in junior high and all that kind of stuff. But I remember this, this thing called popcorn reading. And the one thing that I hated more than running in Hell Week was popcorn reading. I hated going to class, knowing that this particular class, every time we had to read, it was something called popcorn reading. And what that was that each person, someone would read, then they 
they would just call on somebody else and they would have to continue reading. And I hated it. I remember going to class every time I would get in my chair and I would try to get as low as I could to hide myself so that nobody would call me. But of course, someone would call on me and I had to read and I struggled and it was just a nightmare for me. And I was thinking about just about how I used to feel going, getting ready to go to class, like the period before that class and just this, this, uh, this knot in my stomach would start to form and I would just hate it. I would hate the, the anxiety, the fear that knowing that I have to go to this class and that I may be called on to read and I just hated it. I remember I would try my best to do anything I could to get out of going to that class. Like I would come up with an excuse like, oh, I got to go to this class and work on something. Or I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go see the nurse. Or, or I would just like hide outside somewhere and just so I would not have to read. And I just remember just this fear and this anxiety getting to, ready to go to that class because of this thing called popcorn reading. And it was just so terrible to me. I hated it. It just tormented me. You know, and I think a lot of us in life, we go through trials and tribulations, and I think we kind of face them the same way that I was. You know, sometimes we, we just have this fear and anxiety that just weighs on us, and it just burrows down on us, and we can just feel the weight of it. This, this, this fear and this anxiety about what's going to happen, what could happen. That something may happen in my life, and I don't know how I'm going to respond. I don't know what's going to happen to me. Or we're like the other person where I just, I, I just do anything I could to not have a trial, not have an issue, not have something go on in my life. And that's commendable. We, nobody wants to go through things. And sometimes I think Christians, we feel like, man, if I have everything going right, everything perfect, then that must be a, a, an indicator that I'm walking with God so perfectly and everything is going right. And I'm being a great Christian because nothing is going wrong in my life. And that's just false. It's not real. There's times in our lives where we're going to go through things. There's times where we're going to have a hard upbringing. Maybe a childhood was just really hard on you. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong in your life. It just means that we're in this world and we're, we're in this life and there's going to be hard times that we're going to go through. You know, as I was thinking about this, I, I wanted to bring out this, this book that we want, I want to start on. And that's in the book of James. I want us to, to start reading in the book of James in the first chapter. Uh, so go ahead and turn with me to the book of James. Hopefully you got your Bible, uh, or if not, maybe you got it on your phone. Go ahead and turn that on. James chapter 1. Now James is, now this isn't James, the son of, of Zebedee, the, the original 12 uh, uh, disciples that Jesus chose. This is another James. You know, this is believed to be the, the brother of Jesus, James. And uh, James had an amazing life. He was, you know, one of the, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem at that time. And, and James was, lived a mighty life. And, and he was so dedicated to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I was reading about his life. And, and um, this uh, Jewish historian, jo uh, Josephus, writes about his tragic death. And, and how the, the religious leaders, they took him up onto the temple uh, pinnacle. And they made him, tr or they tried to force him to denounce Christ. And of course, James being a thug and just being savage and just being amazing that he was, he would not do it. And they were so mad. And as he's up there and they're holding him over this, this cliff, you could say, he begins to preach to the people that are watching him, preach Christ risen and, and, and on, the, on the throne, on the, the, hand of, the right hand of God. And he's preaching this gospel to them. And they're so upset that they throw him off this cliff. And he falls to the ground. 
but he doesn't die. It says that Josephus writes that he gets up onto his knees and begins to pray for those who have just thrown him off of this cliff. And he begins to say, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. And, and these religious leaders and these people, they're so upset with James that they run down there and they pick up stones and they begin to throw stones at him. And they begin to stone him to death. And, and one person grabs this, this uh, uh, bat, you could say, or some kind of a club and literally bashes his head in. This is James. He, this is how he, he died. But James was a powerful man. He, I love the book of James. I think James is probably my favorite book in the Bible for simple reasons, actually. James is only five chapters long. It's literally only three and a half pages long. It's five chapters. They're super simple. I, it's my favorite book because you can read it like within 20 minutes. I, I love that I can read the book of James because, you know, I, I grew up uh, having a hard time reading. So now I feel great whenever I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I woke up this morning, had some coffee, and I read, read the, book, the book of James. You know, it's amazing. And I just feel great about being able to say that I read the book of James. But it's really only three pages long. So go ahead and read the book of James. It's amazing. James gets down in this book. But I want to start the first chapter right off the bat. Now, James uh, is is like one-liners like James is the book of James is full of one-liners mic drops like you just read this one like if anyone if anyone among you thinks that he uh, his religion uh, let me read this again if anyone among you thinks his religion his, his religious and doesn't bridle his tongue he deceives his own heart and his religion is useless he has one-liners like this or this one so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Like mic drops. Like this dude just gets down in this book. But I, I, one thing that I really want to bring out that I want to put some, a spotlight on is in the very first couple of verses here. I'm going to start reading at verse 1, but on the, scripture, on the, the, on the screen you'll have 2 and 3. But it says, James, a bondservant of God, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes that are scattered abroad, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, this is, this is an interesting statement because he's saying count it all joy. Count in this terminal or in this context is meaning to consider and what he's basically saying that when you look at your life don't cherry pick certain events you know when you're sitting down writing the bio biography of your life of who you are and all that that, uh, that is you you know I, I want you to look at everything don't cut things out you know I've been teaching a message called moments and and I truly believe that our life is made up of moments, of things that we've gone through in our life. When we're young, when we're old, easy things, hard things, cruel things, pleasant things. There's so many things that have helped you develop to the person that you are today. And sometimes we try to shy away from the things that were hard. We try to hide our scars. And we don't want people to see the things that we've gone through. But I'm here to tell, you, to tell you today that your scars are beautiful. They're just indicators that you've come so far and that you've grown so much from that. Your scars will, can be able to help somebody else in life. 
your hardships, the things that God has brought you through or brought you out of can be a testimony to help somebody else. Never shy away from the hard things that you've been through. But here it says, there, there's a what and a why, or a when, I should say. So what is it that we count all, everything, I mean everything, all the things that we've been through, all the hardships that we've had. He says, counted all joy, everything. And when? When we fall into diverse temptations. When we fall, meaning that when we get surrounded by things in our lives that I didn't want this. I didn't want this struggle. I didn't want to this, this hardship. I didn't want to run at hell week, but I was forced to. I had to. I didn't want to do it, but I was in it. I didn't want to grow up having to struggle read and just be like, God, just, I just want to read good. That's it. That's all I ask for. I didn't want that, but I had it. And I look back on my life and I, I see the struggle and I remember how I thought it was the biggest and hardest thing I'll ever have to deal with in life. And now I can look back at it and laugh and think, man, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Like it got better. I just took practice. I remember my parents always saying, Brent, if you just practice reading, it'll get easier. And I used to think, no way, I'm never going to be able to do this. But they were right. The more that I read, the stronger I got. And it's the same thing with God. The more I dive into him, the more I get into the scriptures, the more I learn and the stronger I get, the bigger I get on the inside. But James says, count it all joy. All of it, all the hardships. And this is easy to say, but I think it's a little hard to do. This is a beautiful scripture, but it's, kind of brutal and a slap in the face when somebody is going through something. It's, it's easy to say this when everything's going right. It's easy to say, count it all joy when you've had no struggles in your life. But what about the person who's had trial after trial after trial and they just feel, feel like they're just finally coming up for air and then another wave comes down and smashes them. They're trying to just struggle just to keep their head above water. And, and James is saying, count it all joy. I was reading this and I think, man, God, I need, I need some kind of a, a, a visual of this. I need to be able to reconcile this to myself to say, yeah, uh, count it all joy, but I need to see it in action. Like, where can I find it in action? And I was thinking about Scripture and I was reminded of a man, a young boy named Joseph in Scripture. Joseph, the story of Joseph. And the technicolor dream coat, this coat that he had was so beautiful. If you read about it in the book of Genesis, Joseph was um, the youngest son of Jacob. And he had just a whole football team of kids. Like He had just tons of kids. And Joseph was the youngest one of them. And he was a dreamer. He had big aspirations. He had, he had just dreams on the inside and for big things. He knew he was going to do great things. And his brothers, they despised him for it. Long story short, Joseph, his brothers turned on him. They, they beat him. They tore off his clothes and they threw him into a ditch and left him there for dead. And then they ended up, you know what? Hey, let's take this kid and let's sell him into slavery. So they did just that. They, they took their younger brother, their flesh and blood, and they, they sold him off to some traders. And those traders took him to Egypt. And they sold him there to a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was a, a chief general at the time. And it says that, I love this in, in verse Genesis 39, verse 2. Turn with me to 39, verse 2. Genesis 
39, verse 2, and it says this. Let me get there. All right. It says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master in Egypt. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did prosper into his hand. How amazing is this, that you're a slave in Egypt, a foreign land, nobody's on your side, you're a slave, and still you're prosperous. Like God's favor was on him to the degree that as a slave, the master could look at him and say, man, there's something about this guy. Like he's just prospering. Like I'm not even trying to help this guy, but he is just prospering by leaps and bounds. And it comes to the place that he is so prosperous and so elevated by God that Potiphar puts him in charge of his whole house. And the ditch one day, sold into slavery. Now, over this man's whole house, Potiphar, he just gave him reins over everything. And then it, it, things go on in his life and he ends up now in jail through a crazy circumstance. And he, remember, he ends up in jail. And I'm just trying to breeze through this, this, this story, but I encourage you to go read it in the book of Genesis. It's amazing. From jail, Pharaoh gets a hold of him because he, he, he's this he can interpret dreams. And so he comes before Pharaoh and Pharaoh uh, gives him his dream. And he says, man, I have these crazy dreams and nobody can help me. And, jo and Joseph says, I can interpret your dreams. Well, not me, but God will give me the insight for your dreams. And so Pharaoh's like, okay, here's my dream. Lays it out for him. And Joseph interprets the dream. And Pharaoh is so pleased with the help that he's given him. He literally makes him second in command over all of Egypt. I'm telling you. He was in the ditch one day and in the palace the next day. When you just give your life to God, no matter what circumstance you're in, God can prosper you right there where you're at. When it looks like there's no room for prosperity, when it looks like there's no room for increase or blessing, spiritually, mentally, physically, God makes a way where there doesn't seem to make a way. God just does amazing things in our lives. But this is the part I really love about Joseph's story is that, you know, all the things that had gone through in his life, all the trials after trials and tribulation after tri hardship after hardship, you're literally beaten, torn naked, thrown into a ditch, sold into slavery by your family. Anybody ever been uh, betrayed by your family? Anybody ever been uh, betrayed by a friend? Anybody ever been talked about and man, you thought that was your, 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 that was your day one. That was the homie. And, and they just turned on you and began to talk about you. Joseph literally was beaten and sold into slavery by his family. Joseph went through some great tribulations and trials in his life. And there's this portion of scripture that I just cling to and love. It's Genesis chapter 45. 7 through 8. Remember when, when, when James said, count it all joy. You would look at Joseph's life and say, man, I would, there's some things that I would not want to remember about my journey. 
I wouldn't want to remember about my, my family betraying me and throwing me into a ditch and selling me in this. I wouldn't want to, th- to remember those things. But James is telling us to count it all joy. Everything, no matter what you're going through, count it all joy. Why? How can I count it all joy? James, you got to help me out with this. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to count those things as joy. I don't want to, those things hurt their scars on my body. But James is saying, counting it all joy. And Joseph does this. And there's this time when there's this great famine in the land. And Joseph, God gives him this wisdom on how to prosper Egypt, even through this famine. It comes to the place to where his family, Joseph's family, the brothers that sold him into slavery, are now living in this famine. And they travel from their home to Egypt to get resources. And lo and behold, who do they need to go to to get the resources from? Their brother Joseph. But it's been so long. It's been 13 years he's been separated from them. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery. Now it's 13 years later. Now he's in charge of all of Egypt. God has promoted him. And his brothers come and they're like, hey, we need, we need help. We need resources. And they don't even recognize their brother. And like I said, I encourage you to go read all of it. It's an amazing story. But I'm trying to jump through some things here. Long story short, they come to their brother. They don't even recognize him. And they're asking for help. And finally he reveals, it's me, guys. It's Joseph, your young brother that you sold into slavery. And they begin to fear. They think that, man, he's, he's in charge of everything. He can, at the drop of a dime, uh, command us to be put to death. And they would do it because he's in charge of all of Egypt. But Joseph, being a good man, he doesn't show that. He doesn't show anger or, or hatred towards his brothers. He gives them a hug. He embraces them, brings them in. And he makes this statement in Genesis 45. 7 and 8 says this. He says this to them. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by this great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me. sent me here, but it was God. He's looking back on his life and he looks at all the different things that have happened. And at the end of the story, Joseph is now in a place of authority. And he says, what you guys meant for evil, God turned around and used for good. That it wasn't really you sending me here. It was God sending me here. See, sometimes in our lives, we get a setback and understand that that's only the best time for a comeback. God is setting you up right now. Like, yes, this is not God's plan that you would go through these hardships, and these, these hard things in life, but God will use those things to strengthen you, to make you stronger and greater than you were before. I love the fact that God does not look at our past to determine our future. And he doesn't look at our current situation to determine our wealth. God loves you right where you are. No matter what you're going through, I'm here to tell you today that God loves you right where you are. Jeremiah says this. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you to me. 
See, sometimes we feel like, man, I'm going through things, and that must be an indicator that I'm so far from God. That I have these hardships and these, these struggles that I'm going with, these things that I just can't get over. I'm, I'm trying to let go of some certain things, and I just have this hard time with it. And you think because you have these hardships or because you have this in your life or because you just can't get over this hurdle that you think you're so far from God. But that's not what that's not it. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He loves you right where you are. He loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you in that condition. It says this in Psalms 40, uh, 34, 18 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is with you. He says that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Count it all joy. Why? Because God has preserved you through all of it. He's going to turn those things that may have looked like a tragedy and he's going to turn them into triumph in our lives. God loves you right where you are. I'm here to tell you that God's love is it's relentless. It's never-ending, and it's eternal. God loves you so much. Right where you are, in your struggle, in your hurt, in your pain, God is there with you. Scripture says that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It says that He's close to the brokenhearted. As we shut down tonight's service, I just want to give you an invitation. No matter where you are in life, if you're going through something, I want you to know that you're not alone. That there is a, a, a group of people in the city of Placentia that meet every single week. And, and we're a group called Heritage. And we love you right where you are. And I encourage you, if you're, if you're in a church, then stay rooted, stay grounded. But if you're not, come give us a chance to minister to you and to help you and to, to live a life with you. If you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to do it tonight. Or maybe you say, you know what, I've walked away. I've allowed these circumstances, these trials and tribulations to pull me away from what is most important. And that is my relationship with God. I want to give you an invitation tonight. You say to yourself, you know what, I've never said yes to Jesus Christ. Well, tonight's your night. Or you say, you know what, I've walked away. I want to rededicate my life. Well, tonight is your night. I'm, wherever, you're at, wherever you're at, just repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. I receive that free gift of salvation tonight. And I declare that you are the Lord of my life. I, I thank you for those that made that prayer, that made that choice, that decision. I thank you and I am so proud of you. Thank you for tuning in tonight. It's such an honor to be able to be with you wherever you're at, whether you're at home, laying in bed, on the couch, or driving. It's such an honor that you would come and spend your time with us. You know? If you were encouraged by today's message and believe it would be uplifting to others, then be sure to rate us and hit subscribe. To experience more of Heritage, visit us at www.heritageff.org. Again, thank you for listening to the Heritage Podcast today. And remember, Jesus is Lord.